0: Hello
1: and welcome to Everyday Sublime. This is the podcast that explores a full-spectrum spirituality. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I'm very happy to have you here today. Today's episode is a guest Dharma talk that my friend, colleague, and teacher, Linda Madero shared with our Sangha just recently. Linda and I have been in conversation for many years now about practice, the philosophy, the pedagogy. We've explored pros and cons of multiple forms of practice and it's, it's a real honor to bring her voice into the Sangha and to share her voice with you. I think she has a unique way of speaking about the Dharma that attempts to reveal and see the Dharma directly in an individual's experience. That's why I call the talk that, that she gave the Dharma of Experience. It's learning to see, learning to see and connect with the direct immediacy of one's own experience. And then from that connection, learning to see kind of the, the broader dharmic themes at play within the truth of one's experience. So it's a very interesting way to approach meditation and spirituality, and I think it's a very valuable lens to bring to bear and, and to uh, cultivate within one's own practice. So I'm very happy to share this talk with you, and uh, before I give you the talk, I just want to say that um, the Sangha that that Linda is speaking to is a group of people that just value uh, the collective aspirations of practice. So it's really an online practice community of people that value meditation, yin, yang yoga, qigong, that value these tools for awakening the mind and heart. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you're interested in in the support of a practice community, I want to encourage you to check this out. Uh, There's a link in the show notes that tells you more about the Sangha. But one of the unique features of our online practice community is that we have an online archive or a library of all of our practice sessions together. In the library, we have hundreds of classes now, classes that cover meditation or dharma and meditation that I lead. There's yin yoga and qigong classes that Terry has led, uh, integrating the energetic subtle body awareness of qigong within yin yoga. And um, then there's yin yoga classes that I've taught that cover similar themes of exploring the subtle body, plus more active, dynamic yoga classes that Terry teaches. So those are our four core offerings, meditation, yin yoga qigong, yin yoga, and yang yoga. And in addition to those four broad classifications of classes that we offer, we also have a growing bank of short practices. So if you don't have time for a 90-minute practice, we have uh, a growing bank of shorter practices uh, that you can do for 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, like snack-sized practices to uh, support you with whatever time budget you have available. And in addition to the, uh, the growing bank of classes and shorter uh, mini practices, the, the library is also growing in the category of workshops. So I've been giving a series of ongoing workshops about how yin yoga harmonizes the Chi, and I've been in the process of looking at the specific role that Chinese organs have in the harmonization of Chi, and how yin yoga supports the functioning of those organs and all of those workshops whether you attend live or not those workshops are also being archived in the library. So so with your membership you will get immediate access to over a hundred classes several hundred classes of yin yoga qigong meditation yang yoga plus the bank of mini practices and the growing bank of workshops we'll be adding posture tutorials into this library too so really we're, we're trying to build our, a one-stop shop to support your practice and in terms of joining the sangha you can join as a as a pain sustaining member and we have a and we have a sliding fee model where um, there's a you, you're free to select a, a fee that is within your budget and the, the, the base level or the early entry level fee for that is $25 a month. Um, and if you're unable to offer any support to accessing this work, uh, we, we encourage you to join as a beneficiary. And we offer beneficiary membership to anyone that doesn't have the financial means right now And this allows us to practice generosity to you. So either way, whether you can join us as a a sustaining or beneficiary member, we really want to invite you to come and practice with us and and ultimately avail yourself of all of these good classes and practice opportunities, either live or in our recorded library bank. So if any of that's of interest to you, I encourage you to check it out. The, The main ethos and philosophy behind this sangha is the mantra or the mantra that I've been using for a number of years which is practice 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 if you want to really see your life transform if you want to see your sense of self transform this is not uh, this occurs not due to magic or hocus-pocus or anything this this is all boils down to a consistency and regularity of practice. And that's exactly what terry and i are trying to support folks to do to practice in an ongoing way with the support of a community both live and online so please check it out and without further ado i now give you today's guest teacher linda madero speaking on the dharma of experience
0: Even though I haven't met you, you all have been on my mind. Um, Ever since Josh asked me to do this, there's been a sense of my already starting a conversation with you and what I wanted to talk about, and um, how I wanted to talk about the Dharma, and how I wanted to approach our time together, um, because it is precious to be able to be here and Um, put the effort in to practice. Um, So one of the things that's been on my heart is I also um, have family things going on. And so uh, we just put my mom on hospice uh, last week. So that's been something that just doesn't go away. It just stays with me. No matter what I'm doing, it's kind of always there. Um, And so I, I bring that that tenderness in with me tonight um, as I talk about the Dharma, as I am teaching um, and as I am um, supporting my friend, Josh and, and this community uh, because we are in a sense, sibling Dharma communities. (laughs) And um, we have a long history of talking with each other about the Dharma and um, our values of conversation and, um, making the dharma um, more approachable or within reach um, and not so esoteric and out of touch. Um, It's been something that we've always bonded over. Um, So one of the things I wanted to talk about today is um, how Buddhism and Buddha Dharma and meditation practice is a living tradition that it's alive. It's not like the Dead Sea Scrolls or um, the texts from the ancient uh, lands that um, words that were said thousands of years ago that have no relevance today. That part of um, the way we practice, Josh and I, the way um, our approach talks about the Dharma is to keep it fresh um, and to keep it alive. And that's really why I wanted to hear how you were doing, um, because and what's on your mind and in your heart, because that really is important to practice to not lose sight of what's important to you as an individual and to us as a collective in the world. And the um, the the living teachings are also very personal. Um, We are not looking, in a sense, to get away from our personal lives, although we may yearn for that relief or for that time out. But really having the permission to bring what's important in our lives into our meditation practice um, will be a direction that will give more um, benefit, um, in my opinion, um, as, as we go forth and practice together. So while I'm talking about a live tradition, I am going to talk about a dead person, um, (laughs) Nagarjun, who is a, he's a a philosopher that lived in um, 300 AD. And he is one of those people that, that really, he was prolific, and he spoke a lot. And, and he talked about something that I think is very relevant and wanted to bring in in regards to practice and he said that in our experience the problems and the freedom from the problems arise together so that there's no separation and in buddhist terms that how it's it's talked about is that samsara and nibbana or nirvana in sanskrit arise together that they're not that they're inseparable and so if we're looking for a kind of liberation or freedom from our suffering or the world's suffering, that really we have to pay closer attention to that suffering um, and to those circumstances that are around our pain, our hurt, our woundedness. Um, and it's not just that, but it's also the mundane experience of life, the what you had for breakfast, the getting up, the self-care routines that we have to adopt, the conversations we have with our friends and with our family, that those two can often feel like they're um, not important enough to reflect upon or not important enough to be center focus even in our meditation practice, that we should by-step them a bit or step over them a little bit and, and really try to put our effort into something more spiritual or something more, um, let's just say, uh, with a larger, um, larger goal in mind. And I think that those are very important to have in practice too, that we all have some kind of goals for practice when we show up. We really can't get out of that. So it's better to know what goals we have and to start to really understand how they are part of our motivations um, and part of our actions. Uh, And that goals, you know, the idea that we could get rid of them completely um, might be one of those fantasies we have in, in spiritual practice. Um, and fantasies are good. They actually, they can take us away. They can really um, be part of our aspiration of what we want to achieve. Um, so I'm not saying that we would give up on, on some of our larger goals, but that the mundane everyday life is also a part of our meditation practice. And when we explore it and we get to know it a little bit better, Um, we can have more language for it. We can be more aware of the complexity of the kind of complicated mess of our internal worlds um, that is sometimes difficult to describe or difficult to talk about and sometimes difficult to be with. Um, So in your sharing and and talking about like some of the things um, of this joy that you bring, or the imposter syndrome, or, um, you know, the the things that you mentioned, these things are not just kind of um, one-off. They're things that matter. And even though we're all going to sit with the same instructions, kind of, sort of, we probably change our instructions a little bit each time. Josh, I'm not sure sometimes you probably mix them up a little bit, we're each going to have a unique experience in meditation. And each meditation is actually going to be a little different than the other meditations that we have. Um, and we're not always so aware of the difference. Sometimes those patterns of we sit down and maybe we empty our mind a little bit or things play out um, and then we drop off or or then we try to follow our breath or try to follow an object. Those patterns will also reoccur, but they never occur exactly the same. Even if you look at your experience and you say, oh, that's the same thing I went through last time. If somebody asked you a few questions about it, you'd probably see something else in it. There'd be something that would open up a little bit more. So the instructions that, that we have used for meditation, Josh, Josh and I, um, we probably have a little bit of a different language around them, um, but it's the idea that when you show up for a meditation sitting, that you're kind of ready to sit, and that you allow whatever's on your mind, in your heart, whatever's going on, to be there, and that you don't need to push it away too quickly that it can have some time to settle in. And sometimes it leaves very quickly, but other times it might take you a distance. What's going on with you? Like just that simple question um, can really go somewhere in a meditation practice. And this can feel counter to some other instructions in meditation, um, to the typical mindful meditation instructions where you have to Focus on one specific thing and then keep coming back to that throughout the meditation sitting. We're, in a sense, opening it up and saying, We're not sure what you're going to focus on tonight. You're, you know, you might not even know yet, but that something will arise. And that when something arises, you have some choice in how you want to be with it but sometimes you don't have choice. So what do you do then? Then you're with something and you learn how to be with it without wanting to be with it. So it's kind of like, somehow I feel, and I say this, you know, at times is like, we're giving meditation practice where you can't do it wrong. Um, uh, Now, if you get up and start, talking or start, you know, dancing around or something like that, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that, especially in a meditation hall. And most of us know those kind of parameters. But one of the reasons um, in our community, we turn off our videos when we sit is because we really tell people you have that half an hour. And that is your time for meditation. And you may not be able to sit the whole 30 minutes. You might have to get up and take a walk, or you might have to change your posture, or you might decide you want to journal a little bit during your meditation sitting. And that, that turning off your video, this is one of the nice things that's happened about being online, is that you have some privacy to really make some choices around the sitting tonight. That you might try something that you haven't tried before. Um, if you have a hard time sitting, you might try to decide to try to sit the whole time. Um, so this is part of of a practice that really, I would say, falls into um, a lightly unstructured practice, that we're trying not to give you too much structure, so that you can be more true, and more honest with what's going on the inside of you. And that 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 will lead you into understanding and finding your own path, which is a part of the Buddhist teachings, um, that really nobody can tell you where the path is, what it is. We can talk about it. We can point to it. We're all going to sit here and practice tonight together. But that in a sense, you're going to have to be responsible for rowing the boat, Um, for finding your direction and that it's a trial and error process and that we make a lot of mistakes in practice. And learning to tolerate some of those mistakes, um, I think, brings a lot of kindness and compassion to ourselves, which then can filter out and be a little bit more kind and compassionate to other people when they make mistakes. (laughs)
1: Okay, I hope you enjoyed Linda's reflections on the Dharma. I certainly enjoyed listening to her and always find she brings valuable reflections to get me to think and explore my experience in a different way. So I hope that proves to be the case for you. And if you would like the support of an online practice community with, again, live options to connect and to discuss your practice, as well as a really deep library of archive classes mini practices, workshops, and tutorials, please check out our Riverbird Sangha. And there's a link for you in the show notes there. Until next time, please stay safe, stay strong, keep practicing, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.